I've always been in awe of the Los Angeles Memorial Coliseum. Built in 1923 as a memorial to L.A. veterans of World War I, the Grand Old Lady has hosted a multitude of landmark events, including two Olympic Games, a World Series, and the first ever Super Bowl, then called the NFL World Championship Game. During the years that Bob Klein was a star tight end for the USC Trojans, 1967 through 1969, the Coliseum was the home field not only for the Trojans, but also the UCLA Bruins and the Los Angeles Rams. Home teams would run out of the iconic tunnel onto the field to the roar of a stadium that at times would pack in 100,000 fans. Bob Klein and his Trojans, led by the noble white horse traveler, had run out on that field many times. Klein was a key part of the team's that won the 67 National Championship and appeared in three Rose Bowls. But as 1969 came to an end, his time with USC was over. And as a surefire first-round pick, he wondered what would be the new field he'd run out onto. The Chicago Bears and the Dallas Cowboys had their sights set on him and maybe even trying to convert him into a tackle. How would it be running out onto Wrigley Field, the Bears' home turf, before they moved to Soldier Field in the freezing cold on the north side of Chicago? How about the downtrodden Cotton Bowl in Dallas? The Cowboys were still constructing Texas Stadium at that time. Klein's USC teammate, O.J. Simpson, was the first pick in the 1969 NFL Draft going to the Buffalo Bills. The Bears used their first-round pick on tackle Rufus Mays from Ohio State. And with the 21st pick, three spots ahead of the Cowboys, Bob Klein of the University of Southern California was chosen by the Los Angeles Rams. Klein would run out of the same tunnel onto the same field he did as a collegiate player. But now it would be as a professional tight end for the Los Angeles Rams. I'm a Venice, California-born, Los Angeles-based sports fan. One that has played, coached, announced, and promoted sports my whole life. My love affair with sports started in my own backyard and has led me to this podcast. Thanks to the support of the Amateur Athletic Union in East Bay, I'm excited to bring you Sports Stories with Denny Lennon. Hello, Sports Storians. Welcome to Audio Video Podcast, episode number 61 of Sports Stories with Denny Lennon. It's part three of our four-part series with Bob Klein, the pride of the Pacific Palisades, the ex-mariner from St. Monica High School, went on to star as a tight end for USC, the Rams, and the San Diego Chargers. First, let's get over to the producer of Sports Stories with Denny Lennon. She may not have been the first pick of City College of San Francisco, but she was the key to the top-rated backcourt in the nation while at CCSF. It's Marley Rice. Hey, everyone. I was, yeah. Shout out to Brittany Allen and Monet People. Still remember <laughs> nice. that. We were killing in the backcourt. I think we nice. averaged like 10 steals a game. But anyways, have you guys visited our website, a.k.a. our hub? Um, this is where we have everything. We put all of our links to all of our social media, all of our video podcasts. Mm-hmm. Seriously, you can find everything and anything on our website. So if you go to sportsstoriesdl.com, go check it out and go give us some love over there. Leave some comments. Uh, like some stuff. Keep the dream alive. Let's keep it going. Yep. Uh, same address for my Twitter account, at Sports Stories DL. I have a Bob Klein theme polls going on, and their consideration is given to the football teams that Bob Klein played at, at St. Monica, USC, the Rams, and the Chargers. So far, it's been determined that the best team Klein played for was a 1967 USC National Championship team. I voted the for best, that one. 
Yep, the best coach he ever played for, it was determined, was the L.A. Rams' Chuck Knox. I did not vote for that one, sorry. Ground Knox. <laughs> the poll that's out now that we're asking you to vote on has to do with the best quarterback he played for. It goes all the way back to 1964 and his quarterback at St. Monica, including those he played with in college and in the pros. That's at Sports Stories DL on Twitter. In this third of four episodes with Klein, we not only learn about the NFL draft in 69, but about his rookie year, which included a frozen playoff game in Minnesota. How about playing for groundbreaking quarterbacks like Roman Gabriel and James Harris, and also his post-career plans that were altered with a return to the NFL. Congrats are in order to Chris M. Allport, our director and cinema photographer, bad boy Bobby McCall for their fine work. Special thanks also to Carlos Haro Sr. and Jr. for allowing us to conduct the interview in Casablanca Restaurant in Venice. Here we go, part three of four with Bob Klein. Please note this interview was recorded on November 13th, 2020. So what was it, what was the run up to the draft like when, when you were coming out that time, which would have been the 69 draft, your first round, 21st pick, but was there any, did you go to, uh, did they do workouts at USC where pro scouts would come and see you? Yes. Did you go to them? How did yeah, that work? Yeah, they, they would they would come there and, and they'd, uh, they'd work you out in some ways or they they time you. Mm. The, the team that um, was really interested in me also was uh, the Dallas Cowboys. Okay. And they, they came two or three different times. Um, and, um, and then was Roger Stavik already on their team by then? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, that would have been and, nice. But they, you know, half of them wanted me as an offensive tackle. Oh, for like wow. Really, and, and I'm, I was still going I'm not buying that. into that one too much because that, that, you know, because what, what's, what happens to all those guys that end up, if you look, if you look at uh, the guys that are the tight ends now, um, they're all my size at least and bigger. Yeah. And, and they're all. Now. They're all guys that were good basketball players, and they put a little more weight on it. Sure. And and, the, and those offensive tackles is the same guys. They just yeah. add another 25, 30 pounds. Keep adding the weight. And um, you know, I, I, that's not the best thing for you. No. Nope. Especially when you're done playing, you got to you got to drop that stuff mm-hmm. because that's not good carrying it around. Nope. So I wasn't really crazy about what. Plus, defensive ball players. Yeah, they're, they're made a little different. They, they want <laughs> to hurt you. They want to hurt you. They're bringing the hit. They want to hurt you. And yeah. so to, to kind of that, you got you got to kind of want to be. You got to get yourself in a frame of mind that uh-huh. is like. I mean, seriously. Yeah. Um, yeah you know, bet. before I practice and before games and stuff, I'd really spend some time by myself, trying to get yourself focused on on stuff because it was going to be a real battle. Because uh, my son Jimmy, who who has been uh, played defense yep. his whole life, I said, you know, it's a good thing we didn't play together. <laughs> we, we wouldn't have gotten along at all. <laughs> I love you doing that together, but not me, but not, uh, not Dad. Uh, 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 yeah. So, 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 when did you find out, or how did you find out? I mean, we know how the draft looks nowadays, where people are sitting and watching it in real time, or in New York, or wherever it might be. So there how was an article. So out? there was an article, in, so you knew the people that. Um, so, uh, um, Dr. Bob Woods. Um, okay who was the, uh, one of the team doctors for the L.A. Dodgers, who was, who was very close friends with Vince Scully, 
Um, okay. And the, and the Palisades and Vince Scully went to the same church, so yeah, I, I that's right. Yeah. Yep. So right. at some point in January, during moving up to the draft, he said, um, the um, through through my parents or somebody, he said, you know, the Rams have been inquiring about you. And so I knew it was, I knew it was, <laughs> Chicago Bears, the Dallas Cowboys, and then the Rams kind of did this little bit kind of thing. Okay. And um, so uh, then there was an article in Sports Illustrated that did a little bit of a forecast about some of the guys that might get picked early. Um, but draft day, I was sitting in my apartment with my three roommates. Were you expecting a phone call? No. Just I was expecting a, a phone call. Okay, so you're waiting for the phone. Yeah, you're telling but, your buddy, saying, but, "Don't get on that phone." But before, before my the phone rang in the apartment. Yeah, the phone rang before that, and it was um, one of the guys in the neighborhood that wanted to teach me how to play football, who was screaming and yelling. He was in the car, oh, and they they radio. had announced who it was before they could actually get to me. And so he's the one that tells me you're drafted oh, by the Rams. Oh, that's that's kind yeah. of personal. And so cool, so what <laughs> happened then? That day, you know, I called my parents and uh, and uh, uh, one of the couple of coaches called me, and then I I did what I'd been doing for the four years. I got went out and I got on a PSA flight from Los Angeles to San Francisco, and took my wife uh -huh. and I took her out to dinner of at on Dean's in, in Sausalito. Oh, nice. And you're like, hey, then we, then we here started. we go. Yeah, here so, we go. Wow. Yeah. So now this is where. You kind of come into my world pretty much, you know, pretty close, right? Because, you know, I used to spend a lot of time in my backyard shooting hoop or throwing the football in the air and then diving and catching it on my grass. And um, so I might have been Jerry West or Wilt Chamberlain over there. But because the Lennons are famous for backyard stuff. For backyard stuff, yes, thank you. Um, and for uh, playing things up bigger than they, they might just be. <laughs> yeah. Now, that said, I used to dive a lot and go Bob Klein back in oh, the end zone. So I actually, you know, yeah. used to um, pretend that. Um, and so it's kind of like this is, that's why this is such a fun moment for you me. You know, if you, if you, if you, if we had the gloves that the guys are wearing now, those, the gloves they all play in, I mean, those you things never are the fantastic. They're fantastic. So, yeah. I mean, and, I, and I, for a year or two, I was a little jealous when they started wearing those things because, you know, um, but it makes the game so much better. Yeah. It yeah, does. it does. Yeah. It's, it's so athletic. Were you um, were you aware of all the, like the, the Rams were out here in effect first. They were here prior to the Dodgers, and they had developed a fan base, Norm Van Brocklin, and, the, he, and um, who else? Waterfield, Crazy you know, Legs Hirsch, all that. Yeah. You know, the, you know the, uh, the Rams were um, the first, first team to televise their games. Mm. And um, I, 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 I used to, uh, I gave, I used to give a little talk about this mm. when the, the when the Rams first came back out here. Um, They're uh, the Cleveland Rams, and they moved here. Yeah, and um, so um, the the Rams had a a, a a PR guy that said, you know, uh, here they come, the first team, first team to come out west of the Mississippi, right? That's for the 49ers or anybody for anybody. anybody out here. So they 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 come out here. And they they move into the Coliseum, and they're selling the games out. And so this this PR guy on the on the Rams, he's got a funny name, Roselle or something Pete like Roselle. that. He comes he comes up with the idea of broadcasting the games. And all of a sudden, isn't that so? They were selling out the Coliseum with a hundred thousand, hundred and four was I think the capacity, and they're televising the games. 
And then the, the rest of the, the rest of the world, the rest of is saying, you know what? You can go west. They actually have teams that you can bring. They have teams, teams west. They come out here. So you know, then the teams started started coming out. It, and the the Rams are are famous for one for one thing. They were the first team to move west of the Mississippi. Yeah, yeah. They were also the first team to move back back across to, mm-hmm. to St. Louis. They broke my heart. Yeah. Um, and I find that fascinating that Pete Rozelle, who really was the one as commissioner of the NFL really pushed through yeah. the you know television to what became this entity we yeah. know now was that guy who figured it out in LA at the Coliseum which here you are getting drafted and you get to stay on the same field you know that's my home that place that's is unbelievable great. it's running down through the tunnel is is a special thing the same tunnel same you come tunnel? out oh, yeah, as a pro yeah. than you did yeah. as SC? they probably sell the same crappy lockers and everything else so <laughs> yeah yeah it was a, it was a, do you and, feel the history there the 32 games did you did you could you tell like whoa well yeah place. And plus you know we've been back to the 84 Olympics and had all that thrill and yeah. and that whole thing so and then every once in a while you know they'll invite uh, some of the old guys back to to uh, to be in the tunnel with them and to do some of those oh, things so it's, oh you done that a few yeah. times um, that's so um, you know the, uh, the Coliseum is a special place you're a rookie and um, the Rams actually make the playoffs. And uh, you got like a touchdown. And you go to the coldest place you could possibly go in Minnesota. But let's see here. The Rams finally scored when Gabriel caught the Vikings' own secondary asleep on a rollout, spotting tight end Bob Klein in the open for a seven nothing lead. And the nice. Yeah. Scored against the Vikings in the first quarter. Do you do you know how cold look, that end zone right there? Yeah. It's frozen. <laughs> what they did was they took and they covered the entire field with a tarp and they put blowers underneath there. There's no grass on that field. That's absolutely it's What's just that, dirt. Is that Met Stadium? Yeah. Yeah. And and by by the by <laughs> about the second quarter, what was kind of dirt and mud turns into crust. Ooh. It starts, and then the end zones were just like this table, just just and as hard as rock. Taking a hit there, it couldn't have and, been. And of course, the, the people from Minneapolis, they think it's the greatest thing in the whole world because that's what they're, they're used and to. That, that just drove me out of my mind, like I didn't get it, how this whole season is played in beautiful sunshine and the most important games of the year to go back to a sunshine place for the Super Bowl always ended up in Minnesota or like, you know, eventually like yeah. New England, or they'd end up somewhere super cold. No dome stadium Buffalo. at the time. The Houston Astrodome was the first thing that, that occurred. And even then, the the Astrodome, which is still serves multi-purpose things, they'd have on Saturday, they'd have a rodeo, and then they'd bring in AstroTurf, right? And roll that stuff out. And that and that stuff that was, was absolute worst. That cement. stuff was like playing uh, on on carpet, but on on hard hard yeah, surface. Hard and of course, in those days, that the first versions of that stuff, when you slid on that stuff, it just take take your skin right off. Yeah, wow. you know the burns and stuff. But do you feel pretty prepared to uh, jump on a, a professional team because of uh, playing at USC? I mean, I would imagine you're more prepared than most guys, having hit against some good level competition. Yeah, and I think that's what that's why we had a, a number of we had. We had a lot of first-round draft picks because we played at a very high level, mm-hmm. and the and the coaches were appreciated. And so we yeah. we played, you know, we were playing at a, a caliber of ball that they could really see that we're gonna we're gonna be able to fit in and stuff. So um, I think when you came in, and I hope you don't mind all of this, but to to me this is the best. I, right? I, I love this history. You came in right on the end of the fearsome foursome. Were they yeah, still they were intact? there for they were there for uh, still a couple of years? Yeah. Wow. 
And that's just a legendary. Rams and their defense, I felt like that fearsome foursome just kind of evolved into the next course. So, see, so, like, so the head coach is, you know, is George Allen. Yes. And he's a defensive coach. He's he has absolutely no – that's why I can't believe, believe I got drafted as a tight end. He has no use for, <laughs> for anybody offense. on offense. Just don't he really screw doesn't. it up on offense. Yeah, yeah, they'll screw it up. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, you know, they, 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 all, all those defensive guys absolutely would they, – they'd start chuckling and laughing laughing because he was the head coach, but he was also the defensive coordinator. And so he'd have this team meeting and he'd be talking about it. And then he'd go with the defense and, and he'd basically say, you know, that offense sucks. There's no way. We got to hold him to this kind of stuff. And and so being drafted by him, uh, I, I thought was uh, was great. You kind of crossed paths uh, with some history there because uh, what first Filipino-American quarterback was Roman Gabriel. Yeah. And then eventually you'll play with James Harris, who was the first Black American, I think, to like start a season or be a, a, a full starting quarterback. He was, and yeah. from from Grambling, he was the first black quarterback yeah. and uh, a fantastic man. He's still involved with the, with the Rams, um, mm-hmm. and um, uh, I know they're they're. Uh, someone called me a month or so ago, and wanted to know if I would um, talk about him because uh, they're doing a documentary on him because of what he, yeah. what he achieved, and he's a really quality quality guy. Um, really was. I had an interesting um, way of finding out because I, I love the board game. It was called Stratomatic, and it used to be a baseball game based on you know statistics, and you'd roll the dice and stuff. And they had a football version, oh. and so I would always I wouldn't play my friend unless I got to be the Rams. Oh, because and, and by the way, you caught the ball an awful lot in my offense. Oh, good, but you. I had James Harris as my quarterback, yeah. and so he was always my guy. So I was always interested in him. But growing up, my first guy that I recognized as a quarterback was Roman Gabriel. And and he was a strong arm quarterback. It's, it seemed like he yeah, had you know, a Roman, pretty, pretty Roman decent uh, had a good and, arm. Um, so, so so he uh, he wasn't real real mobile. Okay. Uh, so he was a pocket passer, uh, and and then of course we we always had a problem, invariably had a problem with with the Vikings. Oh, our two, our two, what the, the Vikings and the, and the Cowboys. We had yep. We, we just Cowboys. couldn't get beyond those guys. And um, and and, Court, and the Vikings had Fran Tarkington, who was a complete. He was a Must have given the defense fits. Yeah. The uh, the, the fearsome foursome <laughs> that was was there when I got there. Um, so you know it was Rosie Greer, Roger Brown, Merlin Olson, all the and Rosie, the only guy that's still with us is Rosie. Yeah. Oh, we lost was, all the rest of them. Yeah. Um, and Merlin Olson, he played like 15 seasons. Like I got played forever. Merlin Olson. Uh, was is a very, very accomplished, bright man. Mm-hmm. As a matter of fact, he was what used to drive us crazy. Was uh, the coaches would uh, we they'd be giving a pregame talk or something like that. And when the coaches got done, Merlin would get up, get up, and give us a talk. <laughs> you know, like, Thanks, sit down, Merlin. You know, um, yeah. So he was uh, he was um, he was a great guy. And uh, matter of fact, a number of years ago, about five or six years ago, we had a, a reunion. And I have never seen a guy uh, be able to orchestrate something to the benefit of all of us. He, nice. you know, he he did uh, he he did he was a spokesman for more great companies and stuff. Yeah. Uh, there was a company that just starting called Lululemon, and sure. I don't know how he connected with them, but all the wives and all the girlfriends that came to this thing, they had outfits going out the gazoo. He yeah. he was a fabulous guy, and um, I um, I went to his uh, funeral service, and it was kind of a reunion. And uh, the the person I enjoyed seeing most was was Deacon Jones. Uh, Deacon's still married to the same gal. 
deacons have asked. We're standing, the church, we're standing outside the church over in, in, in Pasadena, and uh, and uh, um, deacons sitting down on a little little wall and stuff. And I said, "How you feeling, Deacon?" He goes, "Ah," oh, he says, "You know, Bob, you could even block me now." <laughs> Yep, not okay. many people blocked guys, him back then. Those guys, that, those guys were... They were and, and it was a different era. I would imagine Deacon Jones wasn't the only one who was doing the plaster of Paris, bringing the heat. I'm, I'm sure you had a protection you know the guy, quarterback. You know, that you, you know the guy that, that, uh, that I, I hated uh, was Kermit Alexander, who played at UCLA. Yeah. And then he was the defensive back for the, uh-huh. for the 49ers, and we played against him. And he, he, he always had a broken arm. <laughs> Which meant you got to wear a cast. And then, yeah, and and, and then, then guess what happened? He got traded to the, the Rams, and all of a sudden he's delivering it on the other side. It was fine then. <laughs> so it comes, <laughs> comes around. Yeah. How about um, so you played for George Allen, and then Tommy Prothero becomes your coach. Yep. And um, and so so that's interesting. You know, I mean, obviously he coached against you when he was. He didn't hold UC- a grudge against me. I turned him down at UCLA. Yeah. And then I ended up playing with him. Uh, and then he, and then when he became the coach. Uh, at San Diego at San Chargers, Diego. I had retired, and, he and, I, and I'm um, I'm in um, in in um, Costa Rica with um, a couple guys, and we're we're doing a segment of American Sportsman, okay, and we're fishing for tarpon, <laughs> all right, and we're basically in the jungle, and um, one night we were sitting around, and uh, a guy says, uh, "There's a call for you on the radio phone, and it's." Um, your agent, and I didn't realize I had an agent. Uh, and so this guy tells me that um, the uh, the San Diego Chargers uh, don't have a tight end, and they really want you to come out of retirement. Wow! And they'll make it worth your while. So huh. I negotiated a deal over the phone, right right there, basically agreed to it. Got on a plane the next day, came back. Wow! And and unfortunately, uh, Tommy was only my coach for three games or so, one year. Okay. Oh, that's right. One year. And then, then Don Coriel yep, came in, in, and that's how I got to be part of Eric Coriel. And well, you got thing. to be part of that. Um, I'd ask you a couple more questions. Um, you played Roman Gabriel, then John Hadle. Now, John Hadle, um, I guess I might not have seen the best of him, but apparently he had a very strong arm, and he had a great season. He did. We, had him, we got him at the end of okay, the career. Okay, so that, that's probably why. Yeah. And, but he was a... He was a he, he, I, don't think, I don't think he ever got sacked. He going to get rid of the he ball. He knew how to get rid of the ball. He didn't want to get hit. And how about um, James Harris? Big strong arm. Big man, big strong man. Yeah. Um, Lawrence McCutcheon. I was, I was always. He's my still guy. the. He's one of my favorite guys ever. Wh- he still, he still works uh, with the Rams in the in the scouting. He, he runs huh? scouting and stuff. Oh, that's great. Yeah. yeah, those guys were. Um, you know, it's it's so it's so. Um, I, you know, I grew up here uh, in Santa Monica, and I and I played at SC with black athletes, and then I had a lot of black athlete buddies and sure. this kind of stuff, and so it just befuddles me this whole Black Lives Matter thing. And I'm used to having them, my teammates, my brothers, my best friends, all this kind of stuff. And so yeah. I don't get it because they 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 feel exactly what you feel. Yeah. They got all this all the same, you know, fears and all, all the stuff that yeah. goes on in life. And but so I had, I had more, more great guys and McCushion and, and Jim were two Lawrence of my best friends. Man. Um, so Fred Dreyer would be another one I would imagine was, am I interpreting him right as he's a free spirit? Unbelievable free, free spirit. He, uh, so Freddie and I were, uh, he, he was a first round draft pick for the uh, for Giants. Giants. Yeah. And we ended up playing and meeting each other at the college all-star game in Chicago. Okay. So we spent uh, three weeks together getting to know each other. Yeah. And uh, so he goes and plays to the Giants 
And then all of a sudden he ends up being traded to the Rams and we end up being on the Rams together. And um, he really was, he, you know, he, he, had a, he had a Volkswagen van. Uh-huh. And we, that's all we knew about Freddie was he probably had the same dollar he signed with to begin with. He lived in that van, hysterical man. And because he, 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 he would mimic and uh, Tommy Prothrow. Tommy Prothrow you could do really easily with a can of Coke and a cigarette in the hand, this whole thing. And he was absolutely hysterical. So, uh, you know, Freddie and I, and plus he was the defensive end, so, um, you know, we, we, we banged so heads and stuff. So we respected each other in this sure. kind of stuff. Um, but I, I can tell you, it's, it was a, a number of years um, after we're both done playing, and uh, I'll never forget, I'm getting off the freeway over in Culver City and I had a light, and all of a sudden I hear this beep, 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 beep. And I look behind me, and my God, it's Fred Dreyer. He goes, so we pull off, and, and we go down there by Landmark Studios, pull over on the side road, and he said, I, I knew it was you, and he said, I, I just had to tell you, I got married. I settled down. Wow. And that's what he wanted to tell me. Oh, that's, oh, that's nice. I said, good for you. That's nice. <laughs> it happens to all of us at some point. <laughs> He's better. like, it's yeah, better. it finally happened, Bob. Yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> finally. It wasn't, it wasn't with Didi McCall, because I love me some Hunter. I love the TV show he, Hunter. I he, thought well, that was a, a great, gifted, I thought that was a gift, great series. I he was a it. really gifted guy. He, he, you know, he, didn't, he, didn't, he didn't weigh maybe, I, I probably outweighed him by you know, 15, 20 pounds. He, he was a really thin guy. You know, you hear the stories about him? Everything he, he, he ate came out of a blender. Oh. Osterizer, you know, he had yeah. this thing. Got Osterizer, on nice. Yeah, um, yeah I mean, he's, he's going to hold that record forever. I mean, how, who else is going to get two safeties in a game? A game, yeah. Right? That's right. that's a tough one. Yeah. That's a tough one to beat. Even one in a lifetime is amazing. So, um, I, and I, I love how the Rams have this place in our, you know, our popular culture out here that it seems like their players can move on into either television or film or something. And, and you know, like that, it was a Norm Van Brocklin and in those days, it led all the way to like Merlin Olson on Little House in the Prairie. Hunter had his own show. Yeah, it's very Hunter. interesting being in this big market. Yeah, how that how that happens. There's just a lot of opportunities yeah. um, compared to some of the, especially yeah. in the, some of the smaller markets and stuff. Um, but now I think every you know, I mean the the uh, you don't really have to do anything any any longer if you if you can get it you know seven eight nine ten years in. No. Right. You know, when, I, then, when I'm when I'm playing, you know, you first thing you're thinking about is when is this going to end? When am I going to get hurt? When's in this thing? And what am I going to do the rest of my life? So that's why when you know I, I I ended up getting serious in college. I went back and got a master's degree at SC, and and I was thinking about you know, I wanted to make sure I wanted to leave also when I wanted to leave, and I didn't want to have somebody call me up and say, bring your playbook in, the head, co the head coach wants to see you and yeah. get grifted, so. That's, that doesn't sound like any yeah. fun. Well, you, you you got what, like, um, uh, you got your BS originally, and then... Um, and went back to and then went SC, back and, to SC and, and got, got, got a master's in business. Got a master's in yeah. business. While, you, you figured that when out while playing. you were playing with the Rams? Well, yeah, yeah, I went, I went uh, you know, wow. I mean, you, how much football can you practice? So. <laughs> I mean, you basically would show up at 10 and you were done by 2. Okay. And I could go to school in the afternoon or I could go to school at night. And okay. so I was getting ready for, for life after football. Not everybody. Not everybody I mean, so what I'm famous for, with, with, with my, especially with the guys that, uh, that knew me closely, was that you actually retired when you wanted to retire. And that nice. most people just grinded to the end. Thanks for watching and listening. 
Sports Stories with Denny Lennon is produced by me, Marley Rice, and Christine Jinbo. Directed by Chris M. Alport with studio support from Alpha Command Unit and shot by bad boy Bobby McCall. Original music courtesy of Lennon Music Production and original images courtesy of Sienna Lennon Photography. A big thank you to all of our contributors of the show. Sports Stories with Denny Lennon is a production of Sports Stories, Inc. and available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, YouTube, or wherever you watch and listen. Make sure you press that subscribe button, give us a review, leave a comment. It will really help us grow the show. And you know what else will help us grow the show? Head on over to patreon.com slash Jenny Lennon to get some never-before-seen videos, pictures, interviews, and so much more. We are all over social media and constantly sending out clips on Facebook, conducting fun polls on Twitter, going live on Instagram, and more. To find all of our social media links, hustle on over to sportsstoriesdl.com. SSDL proudly supports the My Stuff Bags Foundation and the Heroes Movement. Links to how you can support and help these foundations can be found on our website. We also want to give a big thank you to all of our partners of the show. So, as Coach Lena would say, any questions, comments, or concerns, you can email me, Marley, at info at sportsstoriespodcast.com. We want to thank all of our followers and listeners, and we will see you next time. You light up my life. You give me hope to carry on. You light up my days and fill my nights with love. Sports stories with Danny Lennon. It'll light up your life. <laughs> Kick it out, book!